Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to deal with the rising cost of inflation to pay off your debt or your mortgage, pretty much anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Well, with Yahoo Finance, you can get access to the news, data, and tools that you need in order to help you reach that financial freedom. And when it comes to your financial future, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, you've invested all that you can. And now you need to take those investments to the next level by using what every financial great uses. Yahoo Finance. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. They're the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination. That's yahoofinance.com. The Peter Schiff Show. Well, a lot of people, myself included, were looking for a dovish rate hike today coming from the Federal Reserve. Now, what I mean by a dovish hike was the Fed would hike rates because, after all, everybody expected them to hike rates and they don't want to disappoint market expectations. They don't want to raise any cautionary flags that they maybe know something uh, that they haven't uh, been forthright about. But I was expecting the Fed to acknowledge somewhat the weakening economic data to the point that it's now waiting and seeing. Remember, it spoke before about wanting some confirmation that the weakness in the first quarter was transitory. And since such confirmation have not been forthcoming, they may have acknowledged it. Uh, But that's not what happened. We actually got a hawkish hike. Not only did the Fed raise rates, but they did nothing to dampen expectations, really, for future hikes. In fact, Janet Yellen, uh, in her prepared remarks and in the press conference that followed, was very upbeat, very optimistic on the economy, not worried about anything, no longer talking about the need for some kind of confirmation that prior weakness was transitory, she seems to just believe that it was. I mean, she thinks that it's clear skies, as far as the eye can see, looking for economic growth of just under 2% a year. You know, not as optimistic as, let's say, Donald Trump of looking at 3 4% growth. She doesn't believe that, but she doesn't see a recession coming. Uh, she sees the economy continuing to perform at this 1.8%, 1. 1.9% 1. annual GDP. She continues to see improvements in the labor market. She's not worried about the decline in labor force participation. She's saying it's holding steady. And again, she dismisses the low participation rate due to the aging of the population. So she's very optimistic. And something else that she said that I think surprised the markets and made this more of a hawkish hike was she actually talked about starting the shrinking of the balance sheet this year. Most people thought that maybe it would start next year. At least the rhetoric would say it would start next year. Whether it actually starts or not remains to be seen. But now Janet Yellen seems to suggest the Fed is ready to get started very soon with its uh, normalization process. In fact, I mean, she didn't use these words, but it's really a reverse quantitative easing 
or quantitative tightening. What Yellen basically said is they're going to start off by tapering down their balance sheet by about $10 billion a month. And she actually specified, I think maybe it was $6 billion in treasuries and $4 billion in mortgage-backed securities. And they're going to gradually increase it each month until they are shrinking the balance sheet by $50 billion per month. $50 billion per month. That is an annualized rate of $600 billion per year in new treasuries that are going to hit the market that are going to need new private buyers. Now, remember, this $600 billion in quantitative tightening would be in addition to the budget deficits that are already being run, right, which are going to be much higher than $600 billion. And of course, if you look at the forecast, they're forecasting you know much higher growth. The you know congressional forecast or the Trump forecast, if the Fed is correct and growth is just under two percent, then obviously the budget deficits will be a lot larger than the ones that you know the Trump administration is anticipating. And that's even before we get any tax cuts or any increased spending. So the idea that the Treasury markets can absorb not only the enormity of the budget deficits, but the additional $600 billion a year in quantitative tightening. Now, the bond market did not even sell off. Bonds were up on the day. Treasury yields fell. Bond prices rose. Now, yields backed up slightly after the Fed's rate hike because prior to the Fed's rate hike, we had a huge rally in the bond market. I'm going to get to that in a minute. But that rally barely reversed even after the Fed announced its plans for quantitative tightening would happen earlier than expected. And even after they suggested that they're not concerned about anything and that more rate hikes are coming. I think maybe just one more this year. They didn't necessarily say there were going to be two more, but one more this year and three more next year. But again, it's not just the rate hikes. It's the quantitative tightening. Now, before we got the uh, rate hike from the Fed, earlier in the morning, we got some economic data that actually helped solidify the idea that we would get a dovish hike. First of all, we got the uh, CPI data for May, and it came in lower than expected. The headline number was actually minus, minus 0.1 for the month of May, Uh, year over year, Uh, We're now at 1.9 versus the last April, we were a year over year 2.2. So now we're back below 2%. But I guess more importantly for the Fed or the Fed watchers is that the year over year core number, right, less food and energy, is now up just 1.7%, whereas the previous month it was annualizing at 1.9. So the inflation numbers are trending back down. And of course, a lot of people look at this as, oh, well, the Fed can't hike now because it's not hitting its inflation target. This is bad news. We're not getting enough inflation. Now, of course, I don't buy that inflation is good news. And of course, I don't even buy these government CPI numbers. I think that they have already been reverse engineered to deliberately understate the price increases. But of course, uh, the Fed doesn't uh, have that perspective. It looks at these numbers as if, you know, they're the, you know, they, they came down from Mount Sinai on tablets from God. And so they look at these numbers and they think they're real. And if they're not 2%, then 
you know, this is some of the data that they supposedly depend on. In fact, at the press conference, uh, a lot of uh, reporters asked Janet Yellen, hey, aren't you concerned these inflation numbers are lower than your target? And she brushed off those concerns by saying it's transitory and we expect inflation to be back up at 2%. Of course, there I agree with her. I do believe inflation is going higher. I think it's going higher than 2%. But it's interesting, while several reporters were asking Janet Yellen about isn't she concerned that inflation is lower than their forecast, nobody asked her if she's concerned about the economy being weaker than she had forecast. Because to me, that is a bigger concern. I mean, look at the macroeconomic surprise index crashing today to new lows for the year, because at the same time that we got the CPI, we got retail sales. And there we got a bad number. We got a minus 0.3% for May uh, retail sales, they were looking for an increase of 0.1, and instead we got a decline of 0.3. Now, less uh, uh, automobiles, they were looking for up 0.2. We got down 0.3. Now, there was a revision to the prior month. The original report was up 0.3, and they moved it up to up 0.4, but still down 0.3 from up 0.4 is a lot worse then up 0.2 from up 0.3. So we got a weak number for retail sales, yet the Fed doesn't care about that. But when we got the weak retail sales number out this morning, and when we got the weak uh, CPI number, the dollar tanked. The dollar index hit a new low for the year, and gold was up $10-$12. Right? That was the initial reaction. Even though the markets expected the Fed to hike rates, They thought that they would probably acknowledge all this weak economic data because we got even more economic data the morning that the Fed was going to hike rates. But it didn't stop there because then we got business inventories that came out a little bit later in the morning. And there, that was weaker than expected. Instead of getting a decline of 0.1, we got a decline of 0.2. Right, so still a decline that's twice as large as what had been expected, but inventories declining are a direct subtraction from the GDP numbers, and so would be the weaker retail sales. Now, I had expected the Atlanta Fed to revise down its Q2 GDP forecast as a result not only of this data, but of other data that has come out weaker than expected since their last 3% forecast. And Actually, they went the other way. They went back up to 3.2. Maybe the optics of uh, going down on the same day that the Fed hiked uh, didn't appeal to them. And I, you know, but in any event, the Atlanta Fed actually notched their estimate up, although the New York Fed, I believe, is still at about 2.2. I'm not sure when they do their next update. But we had weak inventories. We had weak retail sales and lower than expected inflation. Right? This is all the data that the Federal Reserve supposedly depends on, right? Because they've always said, well, you know, we're not on a preset course. We're only going to raise rates if the economy evolves the way we think it's going to evolve. And so far, it hasn't done that. The only thing that's been consistent with the Fed's forecast is that inflation, in fact, has stayed below 2% the way they measure it or close to it. And the unemployment rate is still low, whatever that unemployment number means. You know, it bothers me, too, now that, you know, I hear Donald Trump continuing to claim credit 
for the low unemployment numbers. You know, he just claimed credit again for the rising stock market, saying the media is not giving him enough credit for how great the economy is doing because we have such low unemployment and because we have such a high stock market. Hey, that's exactly what we had under Barack Obama. We had low unemployment, a rising stock market, yet Donald Trump said that that was all nonsense, that we had a big, fat, ugly bubble, and the unemployment numbers were rigged. Well, it's the same bubble. It's the same rigged numbers. Why can't he have a consistent message? Why is he embracing this false narrative? Because now when it blows up, he's got no credibility, right? Because, hey, you said everything was great. You claim credit. You own this economy. You own this stock market. And now when the economy goes into recession, when the stock market goes down, it's your fault, right? Oh, this shows that you're doing a bad job, that your policies are wrong. So he never should have embraced this. This is going to come back to bite him. But in any event, so the markets got this weak economic data, and it just reinforced the idea that we were going to get this dovish hike. And so when the markets opened, gold stocks shot up. We had some of these stocks made new highs for the move. Uh, and everybody was prepared for the Fed to come up with this dovish hike. And then when they hiked rates, it was the opposite of what a lot of people expected. And so the dollar rallied. It recovered all of its losses and then went positive on the day. Now, by the time uh, the bell rang to close currency trading, the dollar index did finish slightly lower on the day, uh, but well off the intraday lows. Gold surrendered all of its gains. In fact, I did think I see it pop slightly up 14 or 15 bucks, I think, right within the first minute or so of the rate hike. But then gold sold off and it ended up down about six bucks. I think the lowest I saw it was down around $10. Silver at, you know, was up like 40 cents before the Fed hiked. And then silver sold off and went negative. I think it closed up about six cents, but a pretty big drop in gold and silver as the Fed again disappointed. Now, the stock market, you know, the Dow closed at another high. The Dow was up 46 points on this news. The Nasdaq, on the other hand, continued to decline. It was down about 25 points. I think at one point, though, within the last half hour, it was down 60. So it was down about 1%, but it recouped some of those losses. But, you know, Janet Yellen may be pressing her luck here with this hawkish hike because, you know, the markets were prepared for a dovish hike and they didn't get it. You know, maybe Janet Yellen is pressing her luck. You know, she'd been able to hike rates now three times and the markets accepted it. Although the first time she raised rates, right, the very first time, the market tanked, right? That was the first rate hike, but December uh, 2015, first rate hike, the markets tanked, and so the Fed backed away, and they didn't raise rates again for a year, right? Then when they raised rates a year later, the markets liked it. The markets were okay. And so now the Fed's been able to raise rates a couple more times because the markets have been willing to accept this. But I don't know. We'll see. She may be pushing her luck. This idea that we're going to start quantitative tightening this year, given the fact that the economy is already weakening. And if the economy was weakening before this last hike, it's going to be even weaker now, given that we just hiked rates again. Because remember, 70% of this GDP is consumer spending money. And where do they get the money? They borrow it. 
Well, the Federal Reserve is making it more expensive to borrow that money. We can already see what's happening in the credit markets. Credit is falling. Consumers are tapped out. The inventories are piling up. Retail sales are falling. I mean, everybody but the Fed can see how weak the economy is. Yet Janet Yellen is saying everything is great. Everything is, everything is so great. Not only are we going to keep raising rates, we're going to do quantitative tightening. And, you know, if quantitative easing was so good for the economy, and somebody asked her that, in the press conference, and she continues to defend quantitative easing and what a beneficial effect it had on the economy, right? And so if quantitative easing was so great, then wouldn't quantitative tightening be the reverse? Wouldn't it be bad if, you know, printing money and buying government bonds help the economy? Won't doing the reverse hurt the economy, right? If you inflate a bubble, right, and then you threaten to suck out the air, won't sucking out the air reverse whatever good things that happened when you were blowing the air into the bubble? I mean, it's either, you know, one or the other. It can't it can't be good when you do it and good when you reverse it, right? I mean, if we if the Fed helped push up asset prices with quantitative easing, aren't they gonna push down asset prices with quantitative tightening? You know, and if the wealth effect helped the economy, won't the reverse wealth effect hurt the economy because what's going to happen when rates go up eventually stock prices come down bond prices come down real estate prices come down and of course these budget deficits are going to be much bigger right if the federal reserve is going to raise interest rates because it's now going to cost the government more money to pay the interest on the national debt meantime if the Federal Reserve is really going to shrink its balance sheet. Of course, I don't know that we're ever going to get to this point, right? I mean, maybe we will because, you know, I didn't think they would get to the rate hikes because I thought they would hide behind the weak economic data because they said they were data dependent, yet they hiked rates anyway. But if the Fed actually got to the quantitative tightening and they start to let the balance sheet mature, right, what's going to happen? All the short-term debt is going to be running off the balance sheet, right? That is the least expensive debt for the government, but now they're going to have to roll it over and all that short-term debt is now much more expensive because the Fed has jacked up rates. So the Fed is going to have to roll over all these bonds to the private sector at a much higher rate of interest than what they were paying the Federal Reserve. But of course, what is that going to leave in the Fed's balance sheet? It's just going to leave the longest maturity paper, which is going to be losing value as interest rates rise. And this Fed is going to have all these underwater long-term bonds on its balance sheet. What if it actually has to start selling those because inflation at some point really runs out of control and the Fed is forced to, uh, you know, sell those assets to rein it in, then it takes enormous losses. But, you know, it's interesting that even though Janet Yellen basically laid out her timetable for um, unwinding the balance sheet, she used the same uh, terminology that she used for rate hikes. She said that the forecast of shrinking the balance sheet is dependent on the economy evolving along the path that the Fed foresees. In other words, it depends on the data, right? The the shrinking of the balance sheet is data dependent. The Fed is data dependent. Well, I mean, obviously that was a lie when it came to raising rates. So Will it be a lie? Will the Fed, in fact, try to shrink its balance sheet, even though the data is not consistent with that, even though the economy does not evolve 
the way it thinks it's going to evolve. Now, Janet Yellen, of course, in the Q&A, did leave the door open to another round of quantitative easing. She said, look, well, look, if the economy needed it, if something bad happened, then yes, I mean, we will reverse course and we will look to uh, do more quantitative easing, specifically because it worked so well the last time. See, that's why the Fed is eager to keep this tool right in its tool belt, because Janet Yellen and her buddies at the Fed are convinced that it worked so great the first time. That's why they want to do it again. But you cannot prove that quantitative easing works until you successfully unwind it, right? So if the Fed can actually shrink its balance sheet back down to where they started, then maybe they have uh, a a right to claim it was a success. But they haven't shrunk it at all. It's still $4.5 trillion, yet they're claiming what a wild success it is. Meanwhile, the recovery we had was the weakest recovery in the history of recoveries, if you want to call it one. And we have a doubling of the national debt. We have bubbles in the stock market, in the real estate market, in the bond market. We had bubbles in student loans, in in, uh, in credit card debt, in auto debt. The economy is levered up. We've eviscerated our labor market. We have people having one, two, three part-time jobs. You know, the economy is a mess. And this is the Fed's definition of success. You know, I'd hate to see what failure is if this is how bad success is. But the Fed believes that their monetary policy was a success. They have no idea what an abject failure it was. And we're going to see that as these bubbles deflate. Now, maybe... If the stock market takes a second look at this hawkish hike and the implications for the Fed continuing to raise rates and implementing quantitative tightening later this year in the face of a weakening economy that the Fed is ignoring, now you've got a perfect storm for stocks because you've got falling earnings, you've got a weakening economy, yet you have interest rates going up and you have the Federal Reserve flooding the market with treasuries, right? That's going to put even more downward pressure on bonds and upward pressure on long-term rates. So the market may, in fact, react to this unexpectedly hawkish hike in a way that the Federal Reserve is not prepared. And if the market starts to tank, if we start to get a more meaningful decline in the market, which, of course, may be happening anyway, this the sell signal may, in fact, be the rotation out of the leaders, out of the tech names, into the defensive names, this could just be the beginning of a more serious correction, then, of course, the only thing that the Federal Reserve can do is to take it back. Now they have to come back out and start walking back their hawkishness and and, and starting to do something to try to prop up this market. And that would be extremely bearish for the dollar and bullish for gold. And by the way, the dollar didn't rally on this news. Yes, it rallied back from its lows of the day, but it still closed down. And the fact that gold only lost six bucks on a day where the Fed raised rates in a way that was more hawkish than the markets anticipated just shows you how strong gold is. And I still believe that this gold rally is going to continue. It would have been a bigger rally had the Fed delivered, I think, a more dovish hike. And certainly had they not hiked at all, gold would have gone ballistic. But I think what it has done is still going to continue the trend of gold rising in the face of higher interest rates. And of course, if the Fed is really going to do 
reverse quantitative easing. If they're going to dump all these treasury bonds on the market, you know, well, I mean, that is going to hurt the economy. It's going to hurt the bond market. And if people want to get rid of their bonds now to front one the Fed, right? Because what did people do when the Fed was doing quantitative easing? They wanted to buy bonds first so that they could sell to the Fed because the Fed was this big buyer that was going to enter the market. And so you wanted to front run the Fed. You wanted to buy bonds so you can turn around and sell the Fed. Well, in reverse, if you know the Fed is going to be dumping bonds on the market, right? Well, you want to sell first. You want to get out in front of that. You don't want to be run over by that. So if you're going to start to see a lot of selling in the treasury market, particularly if it's foreigners who are selling treasuries, well, they're also going to be selling their dollars, right? That they Because the, the dollar, the treasuries are dominated in dollars. So I think that this is still bearish for the dollar, bullish for gold. And if the equity markets roll over and the Fed has to rescue them the way it rescued them initially when they did their first hike and the market tanked, we may have a similar reaction now to this hike, unexpectedly hawkish hike. And again, it's not just the hike. It is the prospect that quantitative tightening is about to start much sooner than anybody thought. Uh, this could produce a reaction similar to the reaction we had on the first hike in the markets and then, of course, produce a similar reaction uh, to the Fed. And if you remember, after that first hike, when the markets went down and the Fed had a backtrack, that's when gold took off. I mean, gold had a huge move in the first few months of 2016 as people started backpedaling their expectations for future hikes. And I think the same thing will happen to gold again if people have to make the same calculations based on the Fed having to back off of its hawkishness in order to bail out the market. 